0: to look at this back. Look at this back. This back back has taken women's wrestling to heights it's never seen before. The Fab Four. And leave it up to you, David, to hire a girl to swoop in and take credit for everything I've done.
1: Abilene Mavericks, who they're talking about, Nigel. I know who they're talking about. But
0: the reality is, you're gonna get smacked in the face when you realize that no matter what girl in the back has my title around their waist, nobody is me. Wow. In this ring, on this mic, nobody could lace these boots. The lady from Detroit, Michigan saying no one can lace her boots. Penelope. P- The title doesn't make the wrestler. The wrestler makes the title. And Abilene, you're going to learn the hard way why I am the best damn thing that Wow has ever seen.
1: You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And
0: it is for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship.
1: for the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Mr. Green, and you are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast which is with me. I was about to reintroduce myself, but I did that already, didn't I? So anyway, <clears throat> thank you for coming back and uh, tuning in to the show and the weekly reviews of WOW Superheroes, WOW Women of Wrestling, and whatever other little tidbits of wrestling news That I can provide as it relates to the women of the wrestling circuit um, And I think we're going to start off with that Before we jump off into the, the, um, the review of the show And the first thing I want to bring out Is the, I guess, official and formal retirement of Casey Carlisle Former NWA Women's World Champion Uh, Some of you may or may not know who she is I don't know if she's even really been Amongst the wrestling scene Over the last year so Particularly since the pandemic I'm not sure if I've seen her Featured prominently um, Anywhere Since that point However She's uh, been around for some time Having Gotten to the business when she? I think she debuted in twenty. Was it thirteen? Now I, you know, now, now I gotta get my papers. Listen, uh, she, she was before this. Okay, no, two thousand five. What am I talking about? I met her in twenty thirteen, but yeah, two, thousand five uh, was her debut ma- match. <clears throat> And she had been in the business since that point, starting off as a manager, then transitioning to a wrestler. And when she became a wrestler, she was one of the um, pretty much the darlings on the on the independent circuit. She had gone uh, through multiple promotions uh, and basically had won almost almost every promotion that I've seen her kind of affiliated with, or whatever the case may be. She's seemingly won some level of championship there. There's a there's a picture of her having like four or five different titles at one time. It was kind of very reminiscent of Ultimo Dragon back in the day where he was just draped with belts. Well, she had a, a photo like that at one point. When it, And I will say this, when it was uncommon for women wrestlers to have um, that type of uh, championship run... Uh, she was one of the, the women that was out there that a lot of people felt like she was a shoe in or she should have been at least in TNA wrestling. Uh, WWE was, it, it, especially at that time, and it's unfortunate, it's really unfortunate because she's not the only one. There's a lot of them who were like really talented, but because of the mandates that the WWE had at the time was that we got to hire models and they, you know, they got to be, as Jim Ross put it, athletic tens. Well, regardless of how good they were in the ring, that they cut out on some people out there. Regardless how attractive they may have been, if they weren't looked at as the quote athletic ten by WWE standards, then it it shut out a lot of people who had a lot of great talent in the ring. You know, one of the least of which was Casey Carlisle. So a lot of people felt like because TNA had kicked off and they were taking in some independent women wrestlers at the time. Uh, most notably, we, we saw young ladies like, well, young ladies, at, young ladies at the time, ODB, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, uh, Gail Kim, you know, they, they all kind of converged into that and, and really really made that division mean something. And, and it was somewhat felt that Carlisle At least amongst some wrestling fans that she should have been involved in that as well. She did participate in a TNA gut check at one point. So I I think that she was, if I remember correctly, on their program to perform that gut check. Uh, But unfortunately, she did not earn a contract in doing it. Uh, As I said, she had been around for a while. I got a chance to not only interview her... uh, which you can listen to if you want to get the the overall scope of her career. Uh, I did get a chance to have a full-on conversation with her while she was a world's champion. Um, she, in my estimation, I'm, I'm just going to editorialize here for a second. I, I, I have no idea why Casey Carlisle never really got to one of those locations like a TNA WWE, I can speculate on, but TNA, I, I don't know. I, I will say in the times, I probably ran across her at least three to four times. And you can also see those matches as well. There's a match against the Black Widow. I produced that. A match against, um, well, she goes by the woe now, but at the time, it's listed as Casey Carlisle versus the Rose. I, I, I shot that one and did the commentary there. Uh And uh, the last interaction that I had with Miss Carlisle was when she came down and she wrestled against um, the natural born legend Crystal Rose. And there's one thing I will say before I go into my editorial as to why I think that she might not have got there is um, she was always very good speaking. It's one thing that she had that I felt like a lot of, of her colleagues at the time didn't. So some of them were not very good in talking or getting on the microphone and cutting a promo. She was doing it all the time and she was really, really had a good flow over, you know, how she wanted to present, what she wanted to say, how she wanted to say it and tie it into certain little uh, aspects of who her opponent was. Or the or the event and things like that. I, I thought that she was she was good and she was only going to get better. She had a chance to you know keep going on doing it. And, but the editorial here is this one. Um, in the times that I did meet her, she did. I'm not saying that she was intending to be standoffish or anything like that, but <clears throat> but she did seem like she was always had her guard up. Like, what do you want? Why are you? In, <laughs> why are you ask me that? What's this for? You know that that type of thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that would have or could have become something that that would have worked against her, but you know that I, I just say that as a possibility. I know things like that on occasion will steer some decision makers into a, a different direction. Um once you got past that you know it, she was wonderful but but there was there always at least to me felt like there was a little bit of a wall and if you were at, and I'm not saying that anything you asked but anything as it asked related to her wrestling camera interview it was it wasn't just well who's this was this for it, it almost felt like the the this went up and I'm in defensive mode why what do you want what he you, you know it was it was kind of like that so uh <laughs> again i don't know if that was the thing that uh, this is my editorializing of you know potentially what could have been doing but the other thing that i will say first she should be proud of her career and that she is one of the few women that got the chance to be the NWA Women's World Champion. I also understand that it is an unfortunate timing for her that she was the Women's World Champion in a pretty dark period of that championship. Or not just the championship, of the promotion. NWA didn't have television. It didn't have A lot of buzz behind it. Didn't have a YouTube show or channel or, you know, anything like that. You could get matches built off of that, but you you couldn't get just a full-on program. I mean, you could probably seek out some NWA affiliate, but it wasn't like what you have now with the uh, the Billy Corgan there. And even that is uh, having his moments. But needless to say, the time that she was the champion, she... Didn't really have the support of a company to help feature her and showcase her the way that she probably should have been, in order to uh, really further herself the way that she could have been further. And like I said, it was it was a very unfortunate thing that you know that that never occurred that way for her. Uh, in the reigns of women who had the world's championship the NWA Women's World Championship. She is in the top 10 for longest reigns ever. And, and to put that in perspective, the only people that really top her in terms of how long she's had that belt. One, you're talking about people like the Fabulous Moulin, Debbie, Debbie Combs. Of course, they they had it for a ridiculous amount of time, like thousands of days. So that's that's never going to, you know, get past that. Uh, two, uh, individuals like Jazz, who part of her championship reign was inactive. And, when, and by inactive, I mean her actually being out actively defending it because the NWA was going through a big transition period. If you remember, she was the champion when uh, Billy Corgan got a hold of the NWA and they just had to vacate it because Jazz couldn't make the event. Um, <sighs> some of her contemporaries, like Christy, Christy Ricci, Tasha Simone, um, Camille, who we she just lost the title and held it for an exten- you know, extensively long period of time at 812 days. Carlisle was about half of that. She was just over a, a little over a year. Well, not a little over a year. She was significantly over a year, <laughs> a year and some months, she says there 462 days of holding on to that championship. And that puts her in some real strong company. You know, she's she's had it for, like I said, a good period of time. Her name is going to go down in history along with the Santana Garrison, the Thunder Roses, and uh, uh, Barbie Haydens, June Byers, Camille, Mischief, Jazz, Debbie Combs, Fabulous Moolah, so on and so forth. So there's always that. And she should have that, and it's uh, you know it's a bit of a shame that we haven't seen, in my opinion, the best that we could have gotten out of her. We saw some really good matches and had a you know good time watching her wrestle, but she did not get the opportunity to showcase that on a national stage officially. However, there is one thing that we can uh, add on to that as I wrapped it up, she did put a post of her retirement on her Instagram. Now the post is long. And she says it's long. So if you want to go and read through it, you can do that. Again, you can go to her Instagram page, Casey Carlisle, all one word. And you can um read through the post at the at you know at your leisure. <clears throat> but the the there are two big points here that I think should be addressed before I move on. One the second paragraph basically says, this is my official announcement of retirement from the world we know and love called Pro Wrestling. This is long, indulge me. This is a big big old bittersweet moment for me. So, you know, we can see that there's some emotion tied up in that, and you know, having to step away or, or wanting to step away. But if you go down to the end, and this is where I'm going to say there's the door isn't closed. It's probably pulled right up to the to the uh, the frame, but the door isn't closed here. And I'll read this much. I won't lie. I've always wanted an official last match. That's not in the cards right now. But if the stars ever line and the circumstances are right, you'll see my last hurrah. I'm still kicking and a sprained chicken after all. Thank you, pro wrestling. Thank you for the journey, the people I got to meet and know, and the experiences I've had. Thank you for allowing me to immerse myself in what I've loved. Thank you for bringing me to to love, <coughs> to the love I have now. Thank you for the memories I'll always carry. Thank you for the happiness you gave me and allowing this small town girl to live her dream. That was that is just a little bit of of the uh, overall retirement message that she posted but as you can see she did say that she would have liked to have a last match and she's apparently not closing the door to the potential of a last match but i as she said there, you know right place right time right circumstances so i would imagine that's going to be largely built on who can present her with let's start off with the right fee because i'm sure that she's not going to do it for free Who can present her an appropriate opponent to close out her career with? Circumstances that would lead into that particular match, the build, if you will, that would lead into that match. All of those things seem like reasonable requests. I hope there's a promoter out there that can do it. I don't know what I would consider to be the appropriate thing for her to do because largely, she's been a heel in most places that she's been. Only here. For whatever reason, when she came to Georgia in these promotions, she was uh, primarily booked as a babyface. Everywhere else, she was it was like a heel. But here she was booked babyface, and she worked babyface. And, you know, she was pretty good at it. <laughs> but I, I cannot think of anyone off the top of my head that would present a good closing chapter for her. Other than maybe Barbie Hayden. And I only say that because Barbie was the one that dethroned her as the NWA Women's World Champion. But she's off in WOW now, and she's no longer Barbie Hayden. She's the Abilene Maverick. So I don't know if that would be something that she would do or she considered doing because I don't think Barbie Hayden wants to work independence anymore. I believe, and I know I've said it, she's been largely relegated to like, I only want to do WOW. That's the only wrestling place I want to work. So you can make of that what you will. Um, Hopefully she will get her her last match at some point in time. I'm I'm pulling for that. I won't hold my breath, but I hope that she gets it. So to Casey Carlisle, you know, enjoy retirement. It was nice uh, getting a chance to call some matches for you at some point in time and getting to sit down and have an interview with you when we did have a chance to have an interview. So that is my uh, farewell and, you know, so long and enjoy retirement statement to Casey Carlisle. Uh, Also, NWA, speaking of NWA women's champions, NWA women's world champion, former NWA women's world champion Camille has been offered an NXT contract reportedly, And I will add in reportedly it is not however concerned or confirmed whether she has signed or not. So this is going to be interesting to see because I can't imagine that if she went, that they would let her be Camille. They'll probably change her name or, you know, something like that. But I cannot see that they would allow her to be who she was it would be wonderful if they do. Let me just say that it would be wonderful if she can come in and just still be Camille. That would be great. But I, the WWE is kind of funny about things like that at sometimes. And I know some of this mandate from what I've read is coming from um, them, them being the WWE acquired by their new owners, and those owners want to have more acquisition, you know, to uh, – kind of pad out the the properties that they have underneath them. I mean, because if you just look at the WWE, the WWE isn't what it was when I was a kid. The WWE was the thing. Everything else was a show. Now the WWE is kind of becoming what the NFL is and that we're the governing body to a Raw and a SmackDown and an NXT. They all function under the same umbrella, but they function a little bit different from one thing to the next. And then they can all converge at what we consider their Super Bowl, WrestleMania. So, you know, uh, getting back to the point, if she has signed, good on her. If she if she's going, good on her. Because I don't think the N.W.A. has anything left for her. She's, she's already done what she can do. I mean, she... She had a death grip on that championship for eight hundred and twelve days. So no, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything left for Camille to do at this point. She had her one big run. She had some some good matches, a couple of which I got a chance to see. Um, so it's, it's off to the next chapter. It's off to the next chapter to see what she can do. Uh, People who are talking about going to the WWE were also hearing the rumors of Trinity Fatu slash Naomi, a.k.a. Naomi, or formerly known as, returning to the WWE. The reports now are saying that she is set to return following the next set of TNA tapings after their hard-to-kill pay-per-view, which would be January 19th, and the 20th, so that is around the corner. Um, I've already said that, I, you know, I, I, I hope that she hangs in there a little bit, but I can understand if she is ready to go back. I mean, it's, it's the WWE, it's going to be the biggest platform, they're going to pay the most, and she'll be back with her husband. But I, I I cannot tell you that I did not enjoy seeing Trinity Fatu and Impact Wrestling, well, now TNA, <clears throat> in the times that I did it it would be greater she hangs in there for a little while I pitched one scenario that I thought would could change her mind in that hey you know what if they do get Mercedes Monet to pop in there now that's a long shot that is a long shot and I admit that that's a long shot because I don't think that they have that kind of money but if they do, it would be great, you know, for them to get one more chance to go after a set of tag team titles in a different company and see how it worked out. But we considering that um the tapings are coming up, it may it may just be the writings on the wall that her title reign as uh the knockouts champion is coming to a close. Um I've also said it looked like she's having a time of her life out there. You know, I I really feel like she was enjoying herself. But, again, she did have the benefit of working with a major company, all due respect to TNA Wrestling. She did have the benefit of working with her husband, and that, that has to account for something. I selfishly would like to see her remain in TNA. I would. Not forever, but I would. I would like to see her uh, be there for, you know, let's say into the summer, something like that. Get a a couple other good matches out of her so she can really show that Trinity is not just a diva that people remember her as. And I don't mean... Diva as in difficult to work with. I mean, she was there during the divas era. And whether it was fortunate, whether it was right or wrong, she was kind of labeled into that. She she became, you know, you're just one of the, the divas, whereas the other women came in and they got to be the wrestlers, the Charlotte Flares, the Baileys, the Becky Lynch, the Sasha Banks. And then everyone else that followed them, they got to the benefit of not having the, the label of diva slapped on them. Which, it did have a little bit of a, you know, bad connotation attached to it. But some people, because they looked at them like they weren't serious. They looked at them like they weren't legit. And I think that this has helped her, her image a bit, quite frankly. Speaking of the image, have you been seeing the championship belts Unveiled with uh, Impact Wrestling rebranding themselves back into TNA uh, Wrestling. Now, I did not agree with, with them going back into being TNA Wrestling. I will admit, I just I just didn't. <clears throat> it, it seemed like the entire reason that they changed it from TNA Wrestling to begin with was that it was kind of hard to sell commercial time, you always had to explain it, you know, you had to make sure that people understood, no, it's not tits and ass wrestling, it's total non-stop wrestling um, although, I didn't agree with it, I understand having listened to some other people talk about it, it's like, well, you know, outside of the country, they never really changed it, it always remained TNA so I, I mean, I, I get it. And and they're, they're catering to their fan base. I, I understand. They, they're catering to their fan base, the ones that always came around and yelled out TNA every chance they got. But, you know, all that aside, whether I agree with it or not, they have been unveiling new championship belts as I'm recording this the entire week. They've done the, uh, so far, done the X Division Championship. They've presented Chris Saban his new title. They presented tag team champions, their new championships. They presented the digital media championship to um, uh, Tommy Dreamer. They presented the world's title to uh, Alex Shelley. All of those belts look gorgeous. I, you know, I I felt like, you know, if you're going to rebrand and you're going to have new championships, this is is one of the ways to go. And this is, very reminiscent of how they did it when they went from associating with the NWA to becoming their own entity as TNA championships. They shot some footage in front of their backdrop, and they had the champions surrender the NWA titles, and then they would present them the new titles. Uh, The one that I remember most uh, vividly at this point was, Team Three D, aka the Dudley Boys, uh, giving up the NWA World Tag Team Championships to become the new and first ever TNA World Tag Team Champions. All of that to say this, and I didn't mean to go off into you know history lesson, but all of that to say, uh, the belts look great. I'm waiting to see the one that they present to Trinity because she is going to be the one that's going to be listed as the first TNA Knockouts Women's World Champion. That's a mouthful of their new era, of their return era. She's going to be tied into it forever. She's going to be the last Impact Women's World Champion, and she'll be the first TNA Knockouts, Women's World Champion. So, you know, she's she's roped herself into their history, regardless of where it goes and how it happens. Uh, so we will see. I'm hoping that she does get the opportunity to stay there and, and make some more memories, but I certainly understand if she has to go. Julia announced that the faction Donna Del Mondo has disbanded. That audio is on the Stardom channel. You can go and check that out. I know there's been a lot of um, talk about Julia potentially making uh, signing into some other uh, promotion. I know, I think the WWE was looking into her. Of course, you know if, if the WWE is looking into her, you know, you know AEW is, and <clears throat> we all know Tony Khan probably toss out bags full of money to try to get her into that division. Although, as a side note, I do not think that she needs to go there. I I just don't. AEW's women's division, although f- full of talented people, it seems at times unfocused. And this is one of those times. It just it just seems like it's an unfocused division of women. Like I. I like, at this point, is there really a need to have two different women's championships, which is basically what the TBS title is? Is there really a need to have it? Because before, let's call it a spade a spade here. That championship was there to facilitate a winning streak for Jade Cargill that she can exist in her own little universe separate of – the AEW Women's Championship. Because they really didn't cross paths or interact all that much, if at all. It was just Jade is doing her own thing, and whoever happens to be the AEW Women's Champion is doing theirs. And, and n- never shall the two cross paths. Now that that's done, is there really a reason to, to keep having it? Shouldn't they, they should just merge it and, and try to focus that division into something powerful. They have enough talent. They don't need to have all these championship belts. I mean, even if you, you can include the, the Ring of Honor Women's Championship because they they incorporate that every once in a while. They'll just show up on AEW television. But, no, I don't think that um that should be something that should be brought up, or, or I should say she shouldn't go. Because I don't think that AEW will do right by her, honestly. I, I just don't feel it. I hope they can prove that wrong. And uh, lastly, Maria Kanellis posted a video on her Instagram. Uh, basically, you know, I'm going to summarize here, is that she was talking about her her body changing, you know, uh, and I'm pretty sure she's probably heard it from some fans because you're a public figure. And for the most part, she's, how long has she been on TV? She's been on there for maybe about a good 20 years now. And she had a very supermodel figure. She was, she was super thin, but she's also gotten older and she's has children. And I think it's unrealistic for people to think that she's going to remain the same look forever and a day. And if that video was the result of people giving her crap about her having gained some weight, I mean, come on, give give her grow up, give her a break. You know what I mean? It it, it happens to everybody. You know, nine out of the ten people that you know, you get a little, get older that those things are going to happen. It's going to change unless you just uh a massive workout fiend, but she also says she works out, and then, you know, there's, I think as a result of the surgery that she had, it's changed her body metabolism, is how she explained it. And, you know, she can remain kind of fit and whatnot, but there's certain things that she's not going to be able to trim off very easily. And, you know, some of that weight is part, part, part of it. But no, I mean, like I said, give give that woman a break. Come on. If you get out there getting to her IG and making these snide comments, which I know people do, because there's no repercussion for it, I could just say it and move on about my way, then shame on you. Come on. Let, 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 her, let her go. She still looks great. Going into the review, this is – Wow, titled The Wow Factor. I don't really know what that's, you know, in reference to, but that's what he titled it, The Wow Factor. This is uh, season count 217, chronological episode 68. So let us uh, discuss this, this show here for a little bit. I will start off by saying, overall, this is another show that I was I was pretty good with. I was I was alright. That there, there were a little more things that I would maybe have issue with than I did the last one last week or the the previous podcast. I I gave them a lot of praise. I gave high praise to that show. I, I said this is a, a a show. This is something I've not seen out of WoW at all. So I was super shocked, and I was concerned. I was like, all right, well, will they be able to repeat that? Will they be able to get this thing on again and have her, uh, not her, have the show uh, come in and, and just show how good it could be? And this was relatively close. Not, not perfect, but that. But there's reasons behind it, and we'll, we'll go into that. Um, it opens up with the Fabulous Four. And I, I will just start off by saying Vicky Lynn, I absolutely adore. Absolutely adore her. She came out selling that injury with the neck brace, could barely lift her arm, need help coming through the ropes. I was like, this, she is great. She is great. Uh, I hope that they do right by that woman. Uh, But as they enter the commentators are recapping the events uh, of the Fabulous Four, and and particularly that they're recapping why Vicky Lynn is in the position or in the condition that she's in. Um, It opens up with Lana Starr cutting a promo. Lana blames David. For you know all of their misfortunes and all of this is setting up a heel versus heel main event because um, when Lana's done, uh, I was about to say Abilene Maverick, but Abilene Maverick is the other half of the the uh, the main event. What I meant was Penelope Pink gets on the mic also, and she cuts the promo. This is almost everything that I said for weeks in the. First season of Wilds, like no one does a promo. They don't express what they want or what they're doing, and why they're doing it, or whatever the case may be. Ah, uh, but they they've really made some effort to change that. It seems it looks like they are pushing towards having people actually say so, or at least their top of their card right now. I'll say that now. Everybody doesn't say things that mean anything. They still have. People that cut promos that don't go anywhere. They're just they're just words. But here, Lana Star comes out and she's you know complaining on behalf of the group. And then there, uh, you know, Penelope Pink starts talking about you know her position formally as the champion and that you know the title doesn't make the the woman. The woman makes the title. That you know that type of thing. I thought this was good. And I was happy to see it. It was, it was a nice change to how they start off their show rather than, hey, guys, it's a match. Boom. You know, It was, it was a nice to have a different way to get into this. Now, one thing I will say about when they do have these moments, one, David McClain should not be sitting there holding conversation with them that they can't hear. I mean, because he's answering them when they're talking to him. But he probably should chill out on some of that. But that's, that's less egregious than him talking to the screen. I don't necessarily mind when people are talking to him in the ring and he's saying something back because it's kind of a, a natural reaction that most people would do. So I can see that. I don't want him to... To carry it on when they're doing backstage segments. Now that's a different thing, and we'll get you know we'll address that at some point. I'm sure I've I've said it a couple of times, but yeah, he doesn't need to be talking to the to the screen for lack of better term. But uh, what I also don't want them to get into the habit of doing, and it feels like they're slipping into it, is the heels. Blaming David for their misfortune. Not that I'm looking to defend or protect David McClain, but there's no payoff available for that. There, There's nothing that can be done if they carry on like, then David, you did this to me, and uh, you know, there, there's nowhere to go from there. It's just complaining to David McClain for the sake of complaining to David McLean. He already has enough titles i've said that you know a few times like he's their lead commentator he's the lead interviewer he's the matchmaker you know <clears throat> he he's also the person that's involved in the press he's the founder you know so he's always around he doesn't need to have some pseudo angle tossed onto him also that they will never be able to get a payoff to Hypothetically speaking, it would be different if they were calling out Genie Bus. Now, we know that's not gonna happen, but just bear with me. Hypothetically, it would be different because you could in theory get to a point where Genie Bus like, All right, I had enough. And if it takes me getting into the ring to you know, to shut you up, then I'll do that. I'll go into training and blah, 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 blah. And you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, they probably should do that because they would get coverage. They would they would get People who would actually tune in, who would never watch that show, in order to see Jeannie Bus either get into the ring and wrestle, win a match or lose one, one of the three. So as I'm saying it out loud, even though it's a hypothetical situation and that I'm sure they'll never push, it would make you know it would probably draw curious eyes. But the end result there is, like I said, with in that scenario, you could get to something. Dave David did, there, there is nowhere to go. Yes, he's been in the ring, and he's flung himself around by barely being tapped by Lana Starr or somebody. If you go back and you look at those old episodes of Wow or Glow or something like that, he'll just, oh, my gosh, and you know, he'll just fly across the ring because of the superhuman strength that one of these ladies inflicted on him. But he's certainly not going to do that now. He's not going to take any big bumps you know, to uh, – push the show or at least he shouldn't and secondly there there's no match or event that you can apply to this that would make it make sense there's just none he can't get in there and have an intergender match with say Lana star to wrap up some feud that they had and they basically had a very small feud for like 20 years you go back to the original version of the show, like I said, and all she did was like, oh, no, David, you're, you're lying. This is the, the Lana Star show. Everybody knows I'm the executive producer. Where was that supposed to go? What was, the, what was the end game for that other than she's just a delusional woman who thinks that she runs a show that she doesn't? Where was that ever going to end up? He, he couldn't say, well, I'll wrestle you for the, for the ownership of, wow, that would be ridiculous. Even now, even if they took that out of the equation and it just turned into, I want you out of the company and you won't leave, or we got to have a match. I'm like, so even if it turned into Dave McLean has to go and pick a proxy, let's say. There's little to no reason to, to do that, to apply a proxy to have a match with somebody there because they could just have the match. Wow has proven that over and over and over again. You know, the whole point behind having these persons, it falls into the management theory, the manager theory. People got off back in the day when a manager finally got their comeuppance. Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, Jimmy Hart, J.J. Dillon. You, know, you can go down the line It's a simple thing, but when they have intervened and interfered for so long and so much and they never really have interaction with the wrestlers, people want to see them get their comeuppance. Even if it's just a hit, like they just took a clothesline or something. Most people pop for that. You can move that logic up into the evil general manager uh, phase of wrestling, which I'm so tired of. I'm glad it's done. But Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff, it was the case of, okay, we got this person who's the power that I have to fight against. And so when they finally got them, people wanted to see it. Austin finally got McMahon in the ring. If you want me to give up my championship match, then you take it from me. You meet me in the ring. We'll do, you know, you and I do this, you know, and, and, Okay, and people pay for that. Vince McMahon, in a main event, the guy who hadn't wrestled, but they just wanted to see him get beaten up. Eric Bischoff, even to a smaller degree, Larry Zabisco took him on at Stargate. People wanted to see Eric finally get shut up. You don't have that dynamic here. First off, uh, Dave McClain works babyface, not heel. He works too much babyface, honestly. But he works babyface and not heel in the in that dynamic. Secondly, he's not you know he's not going to promote an intergender match, nor should he. Lastly, you know what purpose is it have to constantly have to defend these decisions that he makes against the likes of Alana Star or Exile or whoever? Those are conversations that should be in the back or the management room or whatever the case may be. Every once in a while is fine, but I find that is, it it seems like it's tricking up that more and more of them are like, David, you, you screwed me or whatever. And that's probably not the right choice of words, but you get my, you get my point. So anyway, (sighs) the next segment, we got Fury cutting a promo in the back. It's a baby face promo and it's, incomplete star puns it's, i'm not a one hit wonder and you know there's something nice about playing intimate crowds and this is going to be my uh, rockapalooza or whatever you know i mean it's a good promo it's nothing that i would consider overly memorable it is it's a wild promo it's probably the best version of a wild promo that you're going to get they're going to have. they're going to speak in their character puns and Largely is just a setup for failure. So, the next segment is the match itself. It is Tormenta with Sofia Lopez taking on Fury. The commentators in, introduce Tormenta and why she's no longer in the running for the championship. They put that on actions against the beast, and I. <laughs> I have to say, Nigel gave a nice line about Sofia Lopez. This is it's a line that we all commentators have used. We've all used it. She's the greatest attorney in the world. You don't believe it, just ask her. The reason why I like that line is because with David McClain, when he addresses Sofia Lopez, he addresses her legitimately like her. She's the greatest attorney in the world, except when he doesn't want her to be, when she says something to him that he doesn't like. And all of a sudden, she's not the greatest attorney of anything. But largely, he treats that as if it were a legitimate lawyer who's the greatest attorney in the world, not as someone who is proclaiming themselves to be the greatest attorney in the world, and you call them out on it. Nigel didn't blatantly call her out on it, but that statement was enough. She is the greatest attorney in the world. If you don't believe her, just ask her. That right there just immediately puts that whole question and in, in in pause, or at least her character, I should say, in pause. She's not the greatest attorney in the world. She's she's a heel that believes that she is, and that's all it took. I said like, that is great. I every week I hear Nigel that on there I'm. <laughs> I'm sorry Steven. I'm almost like he just needs to stay because he gets little subtleties like that he says things that work in that you know um in that scenario um aside from a questionable pause in the match the, the match is fine you know I, I really didn't um didn't didn't dislike it I thought it, they did well together. Uh, Sophia Lopez even got her heel manager moment where Fury goes down and she got to come up behind and choke her. And I'm always impressed with the wild managers when they have started to do more stuff because if you go and you look at Sofia Lopez when she first got there, all she really did was just stand there. And she might point at the ring like, hey, rough, do this, or that's not fair or whatever the case may be. But she didn't really participate all that much. She is now getting to where she is participating. And I think she's starting to understand what she's supposed to do as a manager. She's supposed to cheat. (laughs) You're supposed to help A, not just stand around there and watch them get beaten up. And she's getting to that point. So, bravo for her and bravo to helping this uh, progress. Again, the match is fine, but but let's be clear that this match is not about the match. The match is there to facilitate a win for Tormenta, which she did. She went clean, basically fairly clean with, uh, with a Styles Clash. I'm not going to say the Styles Clash. Uh, and following that, the Beast comes in and attacks her after the match. And they do a pull-apart. And you hear Dave McClain, somebody get more refs out here. Get more refs out here. Don't let them fight. So he does that for a little while, yelling on the microphone for the audience, I'm assuming at large, to be able to hear him. The one thing I will say is that, you know, the Beast up until this point had been more or less portrayed like this unstoppable juggernaut that no one could slow down or hang with. Except here, Tormenta hung with her. Tormenta didn't go down. Tormenta, you know, she she got tackled, but she got the beast off. She turned the tide on her a couple of times. She fought her toe-to-toe. Now, if we're looking at Tormenta's record, nothing in that would suggest that she should be able to do this with the beast at all. But she did. And I hope that they are able to do something creative with this so that Tormenta doesn't come out as another body to the Beast's count in her march back to the championship. Because I'm pretty sure that's what she's doing. She's going to march back to the championship at some point. So that's what that was. And by the time this was over with, you had four referees, oh all four, I guess there's only four of them, running in to separate them and keep them apart. They did... They did break away from him every once in a while, I think like two or three times. And then, you know, uh, Tormenta gets out and follows Sophia out of the building or at least out of the arena. This may be uh, the best that Tormenta has ever been presented on this show, quite possibly. And if I didn't say it, the reasons why they explained as to why Tormenta is no longer in the championship running is because of her actions jumping the beast in her championship match. Now, I still do not understand why Tormenta did it. I don't, I don't, I don't get where that was going. I don't get the purpose why she selected her opposed to anybody else. Why is Tormenta even in the running to begin with? I thought the entire reason of the championship challenge was to try to establish new people as, as uh, contenders for the belt that didn't get any opportunity. Almost everybody that had opportunities before, multiple times. like For for the reasons that they have said that they applied that match, nothing has changed. It's gone right back to where it was. Tormenta's still theoretically in the running, even though Dave McClain removed her. The Beast has had a championship match, but Pink's right back into the the main event. So I'm not sure where exactly the change is supposed to be, but, you know, it is what it is. The next segment, Miami's Sweet Heat versus the Mighty Mites. And before I go into that match, I have a clip That's right, I have a clip that I would like to play so that you know that I'm not just saying this today. This is from the previous episode when they actually did have their debut. So let's play that and then we'll go into this review. The best that they could have done for this team is reverse the main event. Put last call in there against the Tongo for a final time and just be done with them which, you know, they should have been done with anyway. And have Las Bandidas go up against them. So at least Las Bandidas would get a, a win. The Mighty Mites wouldn't be in there with a team that is completely towering over top of them. And Bandidas could probably have gotten them a better match and made them look better for at least a period of time before ultimately polishing them off. So you heard that. That was what I was saying. Now, granted, the team that I suggested is not the team that appears here, but same rules apply. The first match that they had was not the match that they should have had. This is the match that they should have had. Wild came directly back from (coughs) um, their commercial right into a match, and David went directly into overselling the Mighty Mites. They're high-flying the same stuff he said last time. And it gets hard to believe that when they were when they beaten so badly in their initial match. It was one of those moments where I was like they, a nice heel commentator could really work with him overselling like that. And it would make the overselling a little bit more palatable if you had somebody on the opposite side of it that was calling out the flaw in the logic. But this this match is a hundred times better than their debut. And it's exactly why I said what I said, that they needed to debut against a team like this. Sweet Heat did what Last Call could not. And I'm not saying that they're incapable of having that type of match. I'm saying Last Call has been presented like a unstoppable force except when they get stopped by the Tonga Twins but, but they're larger, they're bigger they're, they're presented more like bruisers and just beat up on people. It is hard to have that team do anything to make a smaller team look significant it's just, it just is, it's just the way that their their presentation kind of defies that whereas a team like I pitched Las Banditas and Miami Sweet Heat. They could bounce around for for the Mighty Mites. They can get out quick to buy the Mighty Mites. They can have some near falls and some roll-ups where they're like, I can't believe she almost got me, you know, that type of thing. They could do that and not lose credibility. Because Sweet Heat, A, they've already been two-time tag champions. B, that they don't wrestle... Like a powerhouse team, and them getting in the way of getting out quick by or whatever the case with the mites does not make them look bad so much as it makes the mites look like they are competitive and they can still lose. They you could you could have still had the same finish, like nothing in this match, I, w- I wouldn't have changed the thing. I would have just swapped the debut and this would have been the debut match and let them go against Last Call later on rather than having them look at them and treating them like small children. No one that I saw, that I talked to, that saw this match gave the Mighty Mice any sort of chance walking into this based on the match that they had beforehand. But if they had done it the other way around, if they had done this, like, oh, they got close, you could have at least gotten them to where the fans could have believed they could have won if they just got that one moving, if, if the referee had just turned around in time. I'm, I'm pretty sure the match could have been structured to where Sweet Heat could have allowed people to buy the idea that, oh, man, they always got us. They almost did it. Sweet Heat made this look so much better, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. I'm sure the Mighty Mites, Sugar and Spice, you know, did their part too, but the Heat made this look a lot better. As I said, a hundred times better than what they got in last call. The Mites go down to the Fab Jab. Like I said, perfectly fine. They can lose and they can lose clean, but they gave them more offense than what they had in the previous match. They didn't cut them off unceremoniously every chance they got. They actually got some stuff in, so it made them look good. I just wish that this was the debut match rather than the other way around. Once they got done with the Mites, Sweet Heat cut a promo after the match. This promo does go somewhere, but they incorporate David McLean again, and this is is what I was talking about before. You don't want to keep doing that. You can't get anywhere pointing the finger at David McLean constantly. You 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 just can't. There's nowhere to go from that. They're not going to get any sort of payoff to David. You you're screwing us over, or you you you're taking away our opportunity. You know, it it just is is just pointless. Yes, they should want a title match. Yes, David McLean is the is the Uh, matchmaker or the general manager or whatever title it happens to be, they just need to be careful not to do this too much. Not week in and week out and not every heel needs to be saying, David, why are you not giving me a shot? David, what about this? David, what about me? It, It just doesn't need to do that all the time. The next segment, the mother truckers backstage. And this starts off with them backstage doing laundry again in this locker room. I, uh, why are they always doing laundry in the locker room? This is getting to where it's ridiculous and annoying. Why are they always doing laundry? in the locker room, every time they have a segment to themselves in a backstage area, there's some drawstring up there with shirts that we never see them wear just hanging there for no reason. As if to say that they do not have access to a washer or a dryer or a laundry service, or they don't wash their clothes when they go home. It's like, oh or they live in the locker room and they just stay there 24 hours a day and they have to do their clothes on site. Why does every single time you see the mother truckers on screen, they have to be doing laundry? Who is writing this? They can do something else. Holly Swag could be sitting there looking at videos on the phone. Big Red could be talking talking to somebody or taking a nap, anything. What is this deal with laundry? I get it. They're hicks. If you're trying to drive the point home that they're southern hicks because I know that's, that's how everybody from the South has to be portrayed. I get it. They are rednecks. They're hicks. They belong in a trailer park, whatever. But good grief, man. Come on. There's, they don't need to be Hey, stop that. And they actually said it this time. Put the laundry down. Okay. Oh. Whew. Anyhow. So they have this moment where they're sitting there talking and I guess addressing the fact that they're going to take on the Brat Pack uh later on in this in the show. Well, next segment, really. Uh and then it's like, oh yeah, she thinks she could drop some bars, or you think she's gonna do one of them raps. And uh then they both like, hey, you think what I'm thinking? All right, let's go do it. So the next thing we see is that they pop back in and now they've got um uh, some stereotypical, and I air quote this, hip hop attire. So they go get the kango, they get some glasses, they get some uh prop chains and prop rings and they do this just terrible rap uh, for the show. Now, I'm going to say something in absolute fairness to the mother truckers. And I also don't understand why everybody has to be in a locker room that's got their own uh, uh, posters in it. That just seems sort of self-grandizing, but whatever. So... Again, I'm going to say this in all fairness to the Mother Trucks before I get into the rap. This is both good and terrible at the same time. The reason that is good, because I, I get what they were trying to do. It is is very clear. It just seemed oddly placed. Because... They have this video with their essentially just showing to the viewing audience at home. They're not showing it to their opponent, which is what it was supposed to be, or at least it should have been. And, you know, just to get under her skin. So I understood the point of it, but it wasn't set up to do that. Like, it would have, if I had to rebook this. It would have made more sense to me if heels go out to the ring first brad pack is there she's getting ready to do her rap bk rhythm and then you cue the mother truckers music and they come out with this stuff on you get bk upset and then they can go and say hey you know look we we know how you like to drop these rhymes and bars and whatnot and and so, you know, it, it inspired us. It made us feel like, you know, we need to get into that hip-hop stuff, too. So we we did a video in the back. I just want to show it to you right now. Tell me what you think because, you know, I think we could do it, too. You know, just just undermining what BK Rhythm thinks about her skill set. Like, hey, we could do it. Anybody could do it. And then you, you pitch to the video, then you show that. And then you come back from it, and you get the same reaction that BK Rhythm had like no, no, this is you know that that whole thing. As it is, this is just kind of an insert. And if if you're not operating under pretense that this was being played to the house, this would make no sense. It uh, it wouldn't do anything. It's just you know terrible rap for the sake of terrible rap. But I am pretty well sure that this did play to the house, so, you know, it's, it's fine. That's why I say it's both terrible and good <laughs> at the same time. If, if I had to paraphrase that situation, if, if you know, I'm going to use an old TV show. There's a Seinfeld episode where Jerry's dentist converts to Judaism. And largely because he's able to do that now, he he feels comfortable telling jokes that pertain Jews and Jewish uh, lifestyle in it. We'll say that. Then Jerry goes to you know his his parish and he wants to uh, do his confession, and and the priest asks him like, "Okay, he converted to Judaism. Does does that offend you as a Jew?" and and Jerry's like, "No, it offends me as a comedian." But that's what this is like. This does not offend me as a wrestling fan. It offends me as a hip-hop fan because this is awful. It is awful, and I, and I know that's not their their line of work. I know it's not supposed to be good. I, I get that you know they they aren't going to partner the phrase "Wow the world" with their lyrical prowess. But, yeah, this this is just bad. And the only thing that makes it palatable is because it leads into this match and that I am sure that this is, like I said, it was played for the room and it got the kids happy. And that that's the only thing that makes this save any sort of face to it because nothing in it, it looks good. It, it just makes me feel like, wow, despite the fact that they got money behind them, our at the same time, like crazy low budget. The rap that they did here is the type of raps that you do when you go to an amusement park and they're like, hey guys, pay us $5, we'll let you get in front of the green screen and rap. You can make your own music video, imagine that. It's not, nothing in here makes sense. I mean, you know, that they, they got the LED light going on, flipping the, the, the colors in the background. Well, like I said, they got their prop hip hop stuff on. And clearly, clearly fake dollar bills or $100 bills in their hands. like They got cartoonishly big bills in their hands. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at this like, okay, there is no earthly way that anybody could possibly believe that that is real. Now, I'm not saying that they're trying to make people believe it is, but it is so, so bad. And I can't even say bad in a good way. It's just bad. I'm, and that honk honk thing that they just toss it in there, ah, oh. if if that could just go away, and it, because the second they do that, then it ends. It ends on David McLean and Nigel doing the typical non hip hop thing that people who do not listen to it do. Yeah, that's great. Word to your mother, you know that. Ugh, awful. Again, does not offend me as a wrestling fan. It offends me as a hip hop fan because this is bad. So we go to the next uh, scene segment, and it is the mother truckers taking on the brat pack. Miami Sweet Heat are at ringside for some reason. I I, I don't really know why but they're there I mean because it it didn't seem to go anywhere it didn't seem to facilitate anything or push anything forward they just happened to be there so we have uh an obvious setup at the beginning of the match that being the mother truckers come out they got the hip hop gear on and and they uh not embarrassed, but they insult, shall we say, not not verbally, but just by their mere presence, they insult BK Rhythm in particular. And she's like, "No, no, no! This isn't hip hop. This is you guys don't know what you're doing, you know that that type of thing." And then the mother truckers decide that that is a perfectly good opportunity to turn to the hard cam and the commentating booth and start jawing away with uh, the people on the screen and Dave McClain and possibly uh, Miami Sweet Heat, which is the obvious moment that I was speaking of. Because here, what happens? Here comes. BK Rutherford G Gigi Gianni grabbing the chains behind their necks, which I was like, I you could see it coming a mile away. like Because there is absolutely no reason for them to go turn in and, and start talking to anybody else and turn their backs on their opponents, who we all know are heels, and they're willing to cheat at any given time. And like, yeah, I was like, we I know what this, this is going to be. They're going to use these chains to choke them out. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. Now, before we go into the matches, so I, I do feel that I need to point out that the mother truckers have been in this company for close to a year now. I wrote down that they have listed about 14 matches to them. 14. They've lost two. Like their their win loss record in this company is only comparable to people who've had the championship. How they keep getting involved in these go nowhere feuds or you know nonsensical uh, scenarios and things like that is beyond me. But yeah, that they actually have a pretty strong record. Where they're gonna go with that record, I don't know. Maybe they'll win a tag team championship at some point. Who knows? But you would have thought they at least had a title shot by now. You would have thought that, but that that has not happened. But, yes, they they have won 12 times over the, the 14 matches that they've had up until this point. And I'm including this match that they have here, so spoiler they win. They've only lost to Miami's Sweet Heat. And G.I. Jane and the Disciplinarian. And I know that's hard to believe that G.I. Jane and Disciplinarian actually won. Yeah, they won. They they beat them. Now, of course, they got them back, they got the win back. But outside of that, yeah, it's it's amazing to me. So yeah, anyway, the match starts off. They uh they go yammering to nobody, and then they get the chains pull it around their throws, even though they clearly are blocking it from getting anywhere close to their windpipe, which, you know, they probably should. <clears throat> and they're beating up, and it turns into what we would consider the typical Mother Truckers match. That being Holly Swag is going to be in there. She's going to do the bulk of the work in terms of wrestling a, a faster pace, getting bounced around or taking whatever hits that they may have to uh, have to take. But in this case, it is not like when the mother truckers take on somebody like uh, say uh, last call or who's, who's another big team that they got in there. I can't really say the Tonga twins cause they're baby face. But anyway, <laughs> most of the, or even Miami sweet heat, Most other uh, teams that they're in there with are usually far and away bigger than uh, Holly Swag. Holly Swag is a pretty, you know, small and slender young lady. So when she's in there with somebody that's either taller than her, thicker than her, or something like that, she is bounced around, and people believe that she's the one that she'd be getting tossed and thrown and picked up and swung around and all that stuff like that. But here, she's a little bit more uh, comparable to the sizes of BK Rhythm and even a Gigi Gianni. Gigi's thicker than she is, but she's about the same height. And, you know, you can, you can buy that she would be able to fight back. The Brat Pack, I do like. I don't see a future with them, but I do like them. They seem to be the heel team that's more or less designated into taking the loss. Um I, I I don't I don't see them getting anywhere towards this championship and and poor Gigi. It's like she's gone from one partner to the next and none of which have worked out for her. She started off with Gambino then Gambino left and she got Rodriguez and they they got beaten into powder. And now she's part of BK Rhythm and the Brat Pack and they just cannot seem to catch a break even though I think they have made the best out of the situation. They seem a little bit more functional as a team than, than uh, Rodriguez and Gianni. I've, Gigi has kind of floated and, and incorporated herself well into whomever she's partnered with. Uh, but she looks more star potential here now than she did in the initial phases. Like her, her change of look. Style, all that good stuff. She, she's played down the i um, the Italian fashionista" thing, opposed to just being the young brat pack star now. So, as you would surmise, at some point in the match, when BK d- attempts to do a back suplex on uh, Holly Swag. She flips over, rolls out, and makes the tag to Big Rig while BK is somehow unaware of that she's doing this behind her back. Uh, Big Rig Betty comes in. She does the normal cleanup stuff, a couple of clotheslines, sidekick. Uh, These are the things that she does. You know, she's done a back suplex and sidewalk uh, rushing leg sweep. But at the end... You got what you knew that you were going to get. The mother truckers with the win. Holly Swag tags back in. They do essentially the Hardy Boys double team with poetry in motion. Once that's done, Swag sets her up for her finish to fool Nelson into the clothesline, her being Gigi Gianni. Gigi goes down, takes the hit. One, two, three, she's done. And there we have it. The mother truckers Score another win, and they keep their winning ways in, intact. After that, then Sweet Heat get up and they start yelling at them at the commentating booth. Tell them they need to go back to the trailer park where they belong. I wrote down: Is this going anywhere? Is this supposed to be the the kickoff of a new feud? What what is this? What is this supposed to be? And why why would they be feuding? I I, I just you know this part. I don't necessarily get. So, you know, we we'll, we'll we'll take that for what it is. I assume that uh it is supposed to be some kickoff for a new feud. I I will assume that, but I will also preface that statement with this. I also assumed that Sophia Lopez handing the flash drive to the beast a couple of weeks ago. You remember that? Was going to amount to something and it hadn't amounted to anything yet. Now that's not to say that they won't just turn around one day and be like, hey, you remember that? You know, they because they, they're good for doing that. Wow was really good for doing that. But they're also good for just letting things just disappear. So I I, I have no idea what this is for. I I I cannot see a reason for Miami Sweet Heat, given the promo that they had earlier, basically saying that they want to get back to where they were. I cannot see any value in them doing this. That's the first thing. Secondly, what would they be feuding about other than the fact that they just don't like them? It doesn't seem to be any point to it. So... We'll we'll move on from there because I, I don't know where that, that's going or if it's going anywhere. The next segment is Team Spirit. All three members backstage with G.I. Jane and the Classmaster. Now, this is here basically to set up more Trios tournament matches. This is not bad. The acting isn't great, but it's fine. This is all, well, you know, we're going into the tournament. We're going to find a partner Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Don't you worry about it. We'll we'll find one. You'll see her next week. So, not only is this to push the trials tournament, but apparently this is there to push the uh, next week's set of well, next week's match. And uh, maybe it'll be somebody worthwhile. But we'll find that out when that airs, or I can look ahead, but I'm not going to spoil it for myself. But, uh, yeah, that this segment is there to facilitate more TRIOS tournament matches. Now, I will say this. I can appreciate that they are keeping the TRIOS tournament, whether they've had matches yet or not, which they haven't, I can appreciate that they're at least trying to keep the uh, the tournament in people's minds that they are actually bringing it up. They're trying to show people looking for partners. Uh, they're having confrontations about it, you know, things like that. I just – I do kind of wish that they wouldn't just have these open conversations like, all right, we're down here in the boiler room, and we're having this talk, and then somebody just walk up on them. Like, hey, yeah, you in a tournament, I'm in a tournament. Like, this does not seem a natural location just to strike up conversation. I still think they should just, if they want to make this plausible, locker rooms and a legitimate interview area where people can pass through and you can get asked by somebody that's working for a while, like, hey, you just finished this match, so on, you know, such and such. And then you don't have any reason to question why are they stopping at the bottom of these steps? Why are they talking in this boiler room? Why, you know, shouldn't this kind of conversation be taking place in their own private location where somebody's not just going to walk up on them and start, hey, guys, what are you doing? You know, it just seems a little different to me. But that's, that's my interpretation. The next segment goes directly into where I just talked about the infamous Wild Steps. Averine Maverick is encountered at the bottom of the Wild Steps by Princess Ozzy. Now, this served absolutely no purpose. I, other than Princess Ozzy coming out that hey, you know, you got the championship and so on and so forth, but then. Abilene Maverick basically proceeds to just verbally cut her down. (laughs) Yeah, that's what champions do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And and Princess Ozzy has no comeback. It's just, yeah, okay, good luck. And then she walks off. Like, what was this for? It didn't do anything for Princess Ozzy. (laughs) And Abilene Maverick more or less put her in a place. What are they doing with Princess Ozzy? What are they doing here? I I think that she's kind of lost the path. Her and Candy Crush, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, the one time that Princess Ozzy made any sort of attempt to see her friend in action, it was the first time that she lost. Like, you jinx. (laughs) Just you being here caused me to lose. And then she has this where she walks out, and like I said, they just happen to come across each other. Now, bear in mind, I know that the the way that they had these steps set up, this is clearly the steps leading into the arena. So this wouldn't be just a random event. You'd have to know that this person is scheduled to go up next and decide that I'm going to go and encounter them. And since we leave this camera sitting at the bottom of the steps constantly, I'll make it so that everybody can see it. But like I said, this really served no purpose. It did, at least the last one, regardless of what I may say about the the acting of a G.I. Jane or the class master or uh, Ariel Sky and Coach and Pep Riley and whatever their names are, regardless of what I can say about that, it did serve a purpose. It did have a meaning to it. It was there, for, like I said, it served two things, set up the trios tournament or keep it in your your the forefront of your mind, and then it sets up a match for the next week, and potentially we bring out our our, our partner, so you know who we're going to go into with this six person or this trio tournament. So we get past this. The next segment, or I should say, before they go to commercial, Vicky Land comes into uh, the commentating booth. And she is going to be the guest for the main event. And so, we've got the Fabulous Four all over the show. Opening segment, match, promo at the beginning, promo after the tag match. We got Vicky Lynn on commentator. We got Lana Starr ringside. They are all over this thing. This is all. This is a Fabulous Four episode. But Vicky Lynn also being there on commentary. Is also a tip off for interference. And that was what I wrote, and I was absolutely right. Now, I love it. I still stand by that. I love Vicki Lynn. She, she, is, she was great just <laughs> physically performing the way she did, just trying to get into ring. Like, I'm, I'm trying with all my might just to lift my arm. She gave more credibility to going through a table than y'all probably seen most other people do anywhere else in recent years. Uh, and she's also good in commentating. She, she is just a natural heel commentator. And, I, and if she weren't wrestling, I would say putting Nigel Zane and Vicky Lynn in the commentating booth and let them do the show. It just it felt so much better. It was so refreshing, especially like I said. Sometimes you do want a heel commentator to be able to call out things that the babyface commentator will not do. So before we get to the main event, let let's address Vicky Lynn and and the commentator Nigel and David McLean in the commentating booth. David is a fair commentator, and I don't want to take that away from him. that. That would be unfair of me to be like, "Well, he's just awful." He may not be everybody's cup of tea, but he does his job. The problem that he possesses as a commentator is that he is overly babyface in an overly babyface commentating booth. If someone says anything out of the heel mouth, he immediately goes in the opposite direction of that. This is why I was like you you can call a match one of three ways. You either call it as a pure babyface, you call it as a pure heel. Not overdoing it, but you call it you can call it as a pure heel. Or you're the unbiased voice of what is happening in front of you. If David McClain is going to be in that booth, what he should be is the unbiased voice of what's in front of him, not just the baby face announcer and I'm going to go in that direction regardless of what's going on or what, what I say or what I did or how I previously presented it or, or whatever. He should be unbiased. The thing that struck me the biggest with that is during the match, Vicky Lynn, as they're addressing Abilene Maverick, Vicky Lynn casually is like, oh, yeah, she, she stole it. Now, this these are the words that Dave McClain said himself. You came in and you got it, but you stole that championship, you know, that, that, that whole thing. But as soon as Vicky Lynn says that, he goes in the opposite direction of it and – well, no, she did it right within the rules. That was how the match is structured and such and such this That's what I mean. You can't be any way the wind blows. He should have said that statement the night Abilene Maverick won it It's not right you know it's it's not the outcome that I anticipated. It's not the outcome that I personally would like, but I can't say that she cheated she cheated. Won the match as the match was structured. Not get into the ring and, oh, you stole it. You have the baby face do that. But you also need to have her do something to incite that reaction. And she didn't give them anything to incite the reaction other than the fact that she won and you don't like that she won. So, yeah, all of that to say is that he should pick a lane with this and stick to it and not go, you like this person, so I don't, or, you know, that type Because he is subtle, but he does that more often than not. Because him defending Abilene Maverick was just, you know, I was like, why? He didn't like her when she wanted, so why defend her now? But Vickie Lynn is just gold. She's gold on that microphone. She's sh- she should be there a couple more times, uh, and just calling the match. I don't mean to set up some program. I don't mean to k- kick off some angle. She should just be there as a heel commentator because she is good. Um, and yeah, and it calls out the fact that Dave McLean's wishy washy. So anyhow, this is the main event, and it is a all heel match. So, I. So I'm not sure what they were looking to gain out of this. Penelope Pink, heel, coming out with Lana Starr, taking on Abilene Maverick, who's also a, a designated and and known heel here. There is no real sympathetic figure in this match. So I, I have no idea who they were expecting the crowd to cheer for. I mean, I'm not even sure who I should be cheering for here. And I'm watching this on TV. It's like, well, who am I supposed to be backing here? It's fine for the sake of a match just for the sake of having a cold match. But who am I supposed to be rooting for? How can I get emotionally invested in it? It's just two people going through moves. And then when they did something that somewhat established that, um, okay, you're not supposed to like Abling Maverick, let's just say. Then Penelope Pink does something, or Alana Star does something on the behalf of Penelope Pink, which then lets you know that, well, I shouldn't be cheering for her either. If you're going to aim for kids, then aim for the kids. Don't make this complicated. Give a clear baby face and a clear heel. Now, I don't like that aim for kids in the first place. I honestly don't. I think they should be doing this a little bit more nuanced. I need... The, the personalities should have more layers to them. It shouldn't just be this black and white and be done, because when you have moments like this when they attempt to go into the gray, it doesn't really work well. The match itself, fine. It just didn't have any real reason for me to go one way or the other. It was just I was just sitting there watching moves, quite honestly. So, the finish was a misdirection spot. As I said, you could you could probably feel or see this coming a mile away. Vicky Lynn decides that she needs to go in there and help. And she gets up off the commentator move. And even though she's moving at a snail's pace and acting like she can't uh, move and lift her arms and whatnot, She gets up, and she gets a hold of Abilene Maverick against the ropes. Meanwhile, Lana Starr is on the other side, distracting the referee. Penelope Pink gets up, charges, tries to hit Abilene Maverick. She moves out of the way. She nails, Pink nails uh, Vicky Lynn. And now she's mortified that she's hit her friend. And Abilene Maverick rolls up, and then she pulls the tights to get the win. So this is a case of Abilene Maverick out-quicking and out-cheating her opponent, Penelope Payne. and I—I I don't know what else I can say about it. the the main event. Was you know, it was it was fine, and it was dependent on them being good, bell to bell. But where that was supposed to go, I don't know. Like I said, I I have no idea whom I was supposed to be rooting for in this scenario. With both of them as the, not just heels, but both of them were clear-cut heels. It's not even, like, in question. (laughs) You can't even go to the Steve Austin defense of, like, well, he's an anti-hero. Neither one of them are those. So, I I don't know. I, I have no idea. At this point, Penelope Pink should be out of the running for the title shot for at least a good amount of time. She had it. She's been beaten by the previous champion, Princess Ozzie. She didn't win the championship challenge. She was thrown off. And then she just got beat here by the champion again, well, by by the new champion, Abilene Maverick. So is it not time to move on and find new opponents for Miss Maverick to establish who she is and what she's doing and that she's the champion and hopefully taking WoW to a new direction and new era and all the good buzzwords that people like to use. This entire show was not a bad show. I mean, I, I know I've I've hit it with some stuff. But overall, I mean, it's, it's, it really wasn't bad. I mean, if I was grading it, I would say it was a B. It's not as good as the one they had the week before. And that was an A show. But here... Like I said, it being good kind of dependent on certain things being in place. Sweet versus the Mighty Mites I thought was really good, although it was in the wrong episode for me. It should have been on the debut of the Mighty Mites rather than their second match. And every time I see them now, I'm like, yeah, their, their position has already been determined. They are a job team, and that's all they're going to be. They're the new Spring break twenty four seven. What happened to them? Where are they? Anyhow. Uh even the mother truckers terrible rap had a place in here. I mean, it, it served a purpose. Like I said, if it I know that the WoW um I don't think they actually call it the WoW Arena, but I'll I'll call it that for the sake of this. I know that the WoW Arena has a large screen back there that, you know, they can play these segments for people to watch. So, hopefully, it played in the building so that they got some some context out of what they were doing. Uh, Fury and Tormenta. I would not have had the promo run before the match, but the match itself was fine. All it does, I mean, look, if Fury's going to cut promos that's going to run in front of that, then she should probably cut different ones rather than... Protesting how she's on her way to the top and whatnot, and then going right out there and losing. She should maybe cut a a, a a more veiled promo that has less to do with going to the championship and more on she's establishing herself as a singles competitor. And there are going to be some rocky roads, but uh, you know it's a challenge I'm willing to take, and you know things like that. And, uh, of course, as we talked about the main event, the main event, bell to bell, fine. It just didn't seem to have served any particular purpose. There was nothing that led into this. There was nothing that we could get out of it. It's, It's just a match for the sake of having a match. When I also do not... Understand how Princess Ozzy of all of them hasn't gotten a, a rematch. If anybody had more claim on it, it should have been her. But it's like when you saw her in that that uh, backstage segment on the stairs. It's like, oh, okay, now that might go be good if it goes somewhere. If if it turns around, that let's just say next episode, hey, well, you know, it's finally signed. Princess Ozzy's gonna get her rematch for the wild championship. And, and they build towards that. And I'm giving a lot of credit to say that they would build towards it. But it would be nice if they did. It'd be nice if they got to that and they actually could do something with it and get a match that people want to see. Overall, episode was fine. I hope that they maintain some level of what they're doing and not regress backwards. I am really, really, really got my fingers crossed on that. And I honestly am waiting to see what the uh, ratings are going to be for last month. Because even though they had some uh, reasonable matches, and I'll, and I'll even go say this month too, because I'm, I'm a little curious about uh, last week's episode. But particularly, I'm curious about what they ran in December after reading the ratings for the uh, Wild WOW Special on ET, you'll know if you go back and listen to that you know Wild's wow, like okay. I'm wondering what the actual show did because that Wild WOW Special got clobbered as far as the ratings were concerned. It just and they and Russell Nomics made it very clear like you know in the same time slot on the same network, these ratings were. This, that, and the other Which most of them led by almost 200,000 views So It'll be interesting To see how that worked It'll be interesting to see how The episode that aired The weekend of uh, New Year's How that's gonna go you know, that which, which was The show that I was talking about The one I said, you know This was a really good show and I, I I, don't question, I fear, that the ratings will not be reflective of that. I actually think the ratings are probably going to show it getting uh, demolished by people just not being around or doing other stuff and not watching. You know, maybe, maybe you have an uptick in people watching it because people were home, kids were out of school and things like that. But time will tell and we will see. So on that note, folks I want to thank you for tuning in To this edition of The Rights and Wrongs of Procing With me, your host, Mr. Green I want to thank the ones That have taken time out To go to the channel shop page And picked up a shirt In, in support of this channel and show uh, If you haven't done it already You can do exactly that You can go to the shop tab On the YouTube channel, you can get uh, our shirts. And there are a couple other items that are in there as well, such as leggings and long-sleeve shirts and cups and mugs and things of that nature. Just click the tab and and get the link and you can go through and peruse and find the stuff that you like. And and, uh, believe me, your contribution and your support will not be overlooked. Thank you very much for it. Uh, If you are looking to find where you can seek out all of these things. The best way is WPNWrestling.com. That is WPNWrestling.com. That is the centerpiece. That is the nexus for all things that we do. A 24-7 stream of videos with uh, matches dating back to about 2013, if not late 2012 Featuring some of your favorite names, including those who have gone on to be in either Impact, Ring of Honor, Wow, in some cases, WWE. So you can go through, you can see a lot of those stars as they were being built, as they found their their legs underneath them and realized who they were in the wrestling scope. The things that I say that people that is in Wow, some of them at least should be doing. You can get the podcasts because every episode of this podcast goes there. But if you happen to be on some other podcast platform, because we do feed out to greater podcast platforms, be sure to subscribe there. Do the YouTube things, like, share, subscribe. That helps a lot. And we are seriously considering, seriously considering doing a giveaway going into, you know, in, during the course of this year, 2024. But what would that giveaway be? Hmm, that would be the ticket What would it be? I was thinking about a nice prize pack of some sort But what exactly could I put in there? I'm just going to p- drop that seed And I will say that There is Is An affiliation that has Gone up recently with this channel And one Trophy Smack Now if you're like me You've probably seen a thousand Trophy Smack commercials for trophies and belts and rings and cases and posters and just everything under the sun, which I, I really I'll probably repeat myself with this later I really don't understand why they have not hit into the EFED fed uh, line of work. If you are playing video games and you playing it against your friends, how good would it be to have a trophy? Scratch that. A championship belt to hold over them as I am the greatest street fighter. Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat, WWE 2K, whatever your poison happens to be, I am the greatest player of that here, and you you cannot have this belt. Do you know what kind of fun I would have had with that thing if those things were available back in the day? Oh, my God. I had to make a belt (laughs) back back in those days. I had to make one. Cardboard and aluminum foil. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> Anyhow, you can get one of those in the, the maybe a, a big quality belt and they are high quality uh, <clears throat> uh, by going on there. But I have not put up any links. I have not brought brought up to me any affiliate links yet. This is just a precursor. I'm just saying this ahead of time so that when I do, you are aware that it's there and that I hope... If you have to get yourself a nice uh, fantasy football ring or belt or trophy or what have you your little league team, whatever you happen to need it for, corporate engagement, you name it, that you would at least uh, come to me and get take advantage of the discounts that they would apply by putting WPN on the end of the link. But I definitely will be bringing that up in the next episode. So until then. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.